Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Yeah, this is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Rhino down there in Studio X. He will make sure that everything is done perfectly. Any mistakes are my fault. He just he wasn't able to correct me in time. That's not his fault. Thank you for joining me here on a Wednesday evening. No thanks to that scalawag Richard Cross, who once again did not promote this show. He's jealous. Jealous of us. He has jealous eyes, brother. Makes me sick to my stomach. I can't even look at him. We've got a good show tonight. we got plenty to talk about. The content gods have smiled upon us here on a Wednesday evening and given us plenty of college football to talk about. Oh, it's just so glorious. Actual college football, too. No, we're not going to talk. Well, we got a little. we got a little scheduling stuff. But that's, that's, those are games. That's games. That counts. That counts as college football. That's not off the field. The games being scheduled is college football. We're, we, we, that's, that's how we're going to look at things here. Uh, today on Thunder and Lightning. Plus, earlier today I was tagged in a tweet, and I want to tell you about it because <laughs> you know they obviously want me to promote it for them. So yeah, here I am. Uh, but let's start with the schedule, and we'll start on the Mississippi State news for 2023. Uh, the first three weeks are in. Plus, we got a couple other uh, uh, games that we, we we found out the times for. We already knew one of them. Uh, last week, uh, Mississippi State formally announced that the Egg Bowl would be on Thanksgiving night at 6.30. Just a quick point on that, and I, we've already made it on, on Sports Talk, but I'll make it again. If you had asked me prior to that announcement what time was the Egg Bowl, I would have said it's at 6.30 on Thanksgiving, the same way it's been you know, three of the last four years. The one year it wasn't was the COVID year when every game was on Saturday. So don't know why that was breaking news, but whatever, whatever. You know what? Put your, put your graphics out there. I get it. So we knew that one. That was locked in. First three weeks of the season, Mississippi State kicks off the year against Southeast Louisiana. That is a 3 o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. If I were you, I'd start drinking water now. I would start hydrating now. You want to be good to go by the time we get to Labor Day weekend. You can't drink enough. A couple gallons of water a day might get you through that kickoff. My goodness. There's only two options there, folks. It's either going to be sweltering hot or we're going to get wet. We're going to be wet either way because the sweat's going to get us, but we may actually get rained on. Those are your only two options. The odds of it being, hey, it's a pretty nice uh, summer day. No chance. No chance of that happening. Put it out of your brain. The next week against the Arizona Wildcats, again on the SEC Network, a 6.30 kickoff for that. I'm a little disappointed. Richard and I had this argument I understand the networks make the decisions, but at the same time, all these games they go they go on the same networks. Somebody could have just been like, 
Somebody in the SEC could have been like, why don't we give State just a little bit of advantage and play that game in the sweltering heat of the day? That would have been a better 3 o'clock kickoff for Mississippi State. Put Arizona out there in that. I don't I don't, I don't want to hear from our friend Jason out there in, in, uh, in Arizona either. I don't want to hear from you. There's a difference between humidity and heat. There is. And then the one that's kind of a letdown, and that's LSU being that 11 a.m. You were kind of hoping maybe your first SEC home game you would get a night game, but you know the two games that pick there, uh, CBS has already made their decision. They're going to go Georgia-South Carolina. Georgia, the two-time defending national champion. South Carolina, kind of the flavor of the week this year uh, in the SEC, so I get it. And then you've got Florida-Tennessee that night. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for State to break through, and they didn't. They get the 11 a.m. kickoff at Davis-Wade, uh, a stripe-out game. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We, those, those have not been... Very good for Mississippi State. State does okay on on the maroon. Obviously, on the maroon games, they do great. The whiteouts are, are iffy, but the stripeouts and the you know, you know, half the stadium one side, half the stadium, it never works. So, and I've always been, you know, if you ever listen to the podcast or if you ever follow me on Twitter, I've always just told you like, just wear what you want. I, I don't, I don't get too overly worked up about that. If you got a lucky shirt that's maroon and you're supposed to be in the whites, wear your maroon shirt. You feel better in that? Wear that. I would just say every game, just wear maroon. And maybe maybe pick the one game that's... This should be the whiteout game, by the way. You should go all the way with it, the way they did Mullins first year. Whiteout game, fans in white, team in white, LSU, you're wearing purple at 11 a.m. in Starkville. Why not? That's the way I would go about it. This is the surprising one to me. Uh, or maybe just a little bit surprising. But the, uh, the, the second-to-last game of the season, the penultimate game, 11 a.m. kick for Mississippi State versus Southern Mississippi. That is State's SEC Network Plus game, available only on streaming. Let me go ahead and start saying that now. Available only on streaming. It is available only on streaming. It will not be on television because it is available only on streaming. Uh, And that's an 11 a.m. kick. I I guess the thought process there is that's the game before the Egg Bowl. You've only got a short week now with the game being on a Thursday Play at 11, get it over with. You can get guys into the tub, into the training room, into recuperating faster. That's the only thought process I have there for that game. You know, that, that, you know, late November, I mean, it could be really cold that weekend. Uh, State played a late game, Moorhead, second to last year against Abilene Christian. Really cold out there. Um, and of course, like I think I've mentioned that, that State has, you know, has the opportunity with that game being only streaming, which again, I'd like to point out only streaming. Uh, that it, they get to pick the time for it. It could have been whenever they wanted it to be. It could have been at three in the afternoon, but that will be the uh, at eleven a.m. kick against the uh, the Golden Eagles for the. Uh, that's our first trip back to Starkville since nineteen, and it'll be their third trip back to Starkville uh, since they renewed the rivalry in twenty fourteen. State goes to Hattiesburg uh, to start next season, um, as it stands right now. Anyway, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that a, a little you know a little later in the show. So yeah, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's 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 a little you know you're like a little eh. you know you think you get excited for the start of football season. All right, football's back. Let's go. And then that first game is just in the middle of the heat. Yeah, and it's gonna be look. It's gonna be hot no matter what. Even if it's a six o'clock kickoff, it's still gonna be in the nineties when they kick off. Yeah, it'll cool off in the second half. It's still gonna be hot. It's still gonna be humid. There's no escaping it. The 11 a.m. game for LSU is disappointing, though. Especially that's your first SEC weekend. I don't know. I just 
I would have liked to have seen a six o'clock kickoff for that. I, I would have thought because they should have two undefeated teams. I think State will be two and zero. I feel, although I'll be honest with you, maybe not two two and zero teams, and not on State Sunday unless you play in Florida State and Orlando. Said pick right now. I picked the Knolls. I picked the Knolls to win that game. It'd be a good game. It's gonna be a, a, just like it was last. Last year's game was a fun game against the, between those two, but it was really sloppy. You remember a lot of special teams errors, especially there at the end. And Florida State ends up getting the win. I think this year could just be a good game. Two really good teams. You know, Daniels and Travis are two of the top quarterbacks. Travis especially, uh, one of the top quarterbacks in college football. Plenty of talent on those on those two rosters. So that should be fun. State versus Arizona should be a really fun game. Uh, that game last year, I thought State played really well out there on the West Coast, uh, especially defensively in that game. Uh, they gave up a couple of big plays, but by and large, they they, you know, they were they pressured the, the quarterback. Jay, was it Jaden DeLore? Was it Lorenta? That's not right. He I forget what his last name was. But they pressured the Arizona quarterback all night, forced a couple of turnovers, uh, and played really well, and then ran the ball. Effectively. That was like really the first game where you saw, okay, maybe State's going to run the football a little bit more this year. And then you, you sort of you saw what that was. I love seeing times though, you know everything. Everything you know, it's it's only May thirty first, right? We we're, we haven't even gotten into June yet, but we're already starting to see kickoff times, and we're talking about scheduling, and we're talking about potential matchups, and well, if we're going to talk about the game being scheduled, we might as well just go ahead and look at you know some of the the matchups and start with some of the you know predictions. Oh yeah. It's a slippery slope, but it's the one I'm happy to slide down to try to try to get to actual football talk. So the Mississippi State LSU game. I mean, I think you and I both agree that, that that's going to be a game for Mississippi State. Uh, that's huge, you know. And, if, and it's a game that's LSU is going to be favored. They'll probably win the game, but it's not unbeatable. So, so you're saying the Southern Miss game only on streaming? That is what I'm saying. I want to make that very clear. Uh, Gibb and Greenwood said Maroon is all that matters. I'll fight you, Gib. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, you and I can, we'll, we'll trade hands. Bob and Starville, Lamonis in or out? He's in. We can stop having that discussion. He's he's in. Jason said, live my life, all, all my life, Mississippi all my life. Not nearly as big a difference between 120 with low humidity and 90 with it as, as much as you want there to be. I don't believe you, Jason. I've been to Vegas. It was 118. It was not nearly as bad as it is in Mississippi. 90 and 90. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I've been there. I've done that. All right. We got more schedule talk when we come back, but now we got to shift to the whole conference and, and the future. What's going to be happening in the SEC going forward next year when the new guys come in, when Texas and Oklahoma decide to make their home in the SEC? We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Listen up! There is a storm coming! The 
Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, if you've missed it, we haven't talked about it much on, on Super Talk. We've been doing a lot of talk about it on the podcast on social media. But uh, a week from tomorrow, the Thunder and Lightning Summer Catfish Tour begins. Yes, it's as big a tour as Lollapalooza could ever dream to be. Uh, my co-host, Robbie Falk, and I from the Thunder and Lightning Podcast, we will be traveling the state, traversing across this great state of ours in search of delicious catfish, which in my opinion is the premier meal in the state of Mississippi. We got some great stops lined up. This is sponsored by our good friends over at Superior Catfish, a great Mississippi company putting out. It's funny. It's the name is Superior Catfish. And they provide Superior Catfish. It's crazy how those things work. Uh, our first stop one week from today. If you're in Starkville for lunch, join us at the Little Dewey. We'll be there for uh, for a couple of hours. Uh, we'll be doing a live thunder and lightning show there. I made sure I, I got in contact today. Zach Selman will join us there at the Little Dewey uh, to to talk some uh, some football. So maybe we'll talk about some of the things we're about to talk about right now. Uh, plus, we'll talk to some people from Superior Catfish from the Little Dewey, and we'll get the, the tour started off. We're, we're we're heading across the state. We've got some great places lined up. We'll let you know more information uh, as we go. But yeah, Zach Selman down in Destin, Florida. So he's probably eating great seafood. Uh, as we speak, uh, but he's down there for SEC spring meetings. And the big topic of conversation, obviously, is what is the SEC schedule for football going to look like starting next year with the arrival of Texas and Oklahoma? Uh, we talked about a little bit on yesterday's Sports Talk Mississippi that them coming in a little early, they were supposed to join in 2025, has kind of upset the apple cart a little bit, and they're not really sure which way they want to go with this. You have two schools of thought, and I, I say this. I think that one school of thought is better for Mississippi State and one school of thought is better from the S- is for better for the SEC. Better for Mississippi State is the eight-game schedule. That that keeps Mississippi State and, and, and schools that, you know, are traditionally not in the top elite college football playoff chase, teams that aren't on the regular winning ten games, that's the best play for them. It's a 1-7 model. You would have one permanent opponent, and you would alternate seven conference opponents. You would keep your four non-conference opponents. The SEC would keep its not its Power 5 non-conference requirement, so you would still be playing teams from the Big Ten, from the ACC, from the Pac-12, from the Big 12, which means you're playing nine Power 5 games. Of course, for Mississippi State and Ole Miss, they would be, their, they would be each other's permanent opponent. Uh, you would keep Alabama, Auburn. You would keep Florida, Georgia. So you're keeping some of the rivalries, but you lose Alabama, Tennessee. You lose Auburn, Georgia. Um, I think it's Texas, Oklahoma would stay together. So you don't get Texas, Texas A&M. I think they would stick with LSU. Uh, Arkansas would stick with Missouri, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Uh, I guess Kentucky would stick with uh, go to South Carolina. That, that's kind of weak, but it is what it is. So that's how that would work. 1-7. That is the best way for Mississippi State. That emulates the model that has been successful for Mississippi State for the past decade to find their way to win four non-conference games and then see what you can do in the conference to get to seven, eight wins on a, on a, on a yearly basis. That's about where Mississippi State has lived for the past decade. They've had some ups and some downs. But for the most part, they've been a seven and a half, eight win team for the last decade. The other side is the, the, the nine game. 
That's a 3-6 model. You would have, you know, early on we talked about pods. Those are out the window. But you would have three permanents, and then you would alternate six. Ross Dellinger reported a few months back that it looked likely that Mississippi State's three permanents would be Ole Miss, would be Texas A&M, and would be Kentucky. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, if you're going to go to the nine-game schedule, that's as good a setup for State as you can get. That's three teams, year in and year out, that at worst you feel like it's a toss-up game with, right? You know, that's a team, those are teams that you have beaten as many times as you've lost to or, or you have a winning record against in the last ten years. Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Texas A&M. The holdup in this was Alabama. Alabama would have been handed Auburn, of course, Tennessee, and LSU. And fairly or unfairly, my, my issue is this. Alabama's year in, year out, at worst, the second-best team in America, let alone the conference, the second-best team in America. It was going to be tough for them to play. I mean, you can't put Vanderbilt on their schedule and say, have at it. You, you can't do that. But they've, they've raised a stink, and now it looks like it looks like at this time it's going to be eight games for at least a couple years. They're not going to make any permanent decisions. That's the better side for the league because you get nine SEC games, you have more inventory. I, I think the SEC might even still keep the, the Power 5 requirement. Now, that would make it tough for teams like State, Ole Miss, um, Kentucky. Well, I guess not. You know, Kentucky's an interesting case because they play a Power 5 team every year. They play Louisville. Uh, Florida plays Florida State. Clemson, or South Carolina plays Clemson. Georgia, Georgia Tech, I mean, that's really no issue for Georgia at this time. But it could be a situation where you're playing 10 Power 5 games. The other issue with the conference is, obviously, you know this, that football schedules are made out so far in advance. Mississippi State has non-conference games scheduled through 2035, I believe. And in some cases, they've got all four of them scheduled. I think all the way through 2029 they have all four non-conference games scheduled. Somebody's going to have to be bought out. Who's it going to be? I don't know if you, if, they, if they if they keep the power five requirement, then you're probably you know you're going to have to buy out one of your group of five teams because I don't think you're going to buy it and take the FCS games off the schedule. Those games, I think everybody in college football recognizes how valuable FCS games are to the FCS programs. I know you're thinking, oh, these games are terrible, and stay, your team always wins them by forty, and I get that. But at the same time, those programs need those million-dollar checks coming in every year. So I, I don't know if that's the way they go. So when you look at Mississippi State's schedule for 2024, who who are they going to you know get rid of if they keep a, a nine-game schedule in 2024? And I misspoke a second ago. That, that Southern Miss game is in 2025, so we'll talk about that in a second. So they would keep probably keep East Car- Eastern Kentucky and keep the game with Arizona State. That would leave a game with Utah State and a game with UMass. My my guess is one of those two games is getting bought out. The next year, again, you're keeping all Corn State. That's your FCS team, 2025. You're keeping Arizona State. So you have to buy out either at Southern Miss or Northern Illinois. Now, the Southern Miss thing is interesting because that's part. that's the last game on a contract. You played a two-for-one with them. There was this year's game, there was the game in 2019, and then you had the return game in, in Hattiesburg for 2025. You have another uh, contract with Southern Miss. It's a one-for-one one for 2030 and 2031. That's probably one you can you know you can work around and keep it on the schedule. But possible that State would buy out Southern Miss. I think it's more likely they would buy out Northern Illinois. But another thing that to consider is this. 
State, if you if they go to the nine-game schedule, well, that's an unbalanced conference schedule. So you're going to have years where you have four home games and some years where you have five home games. So what is State's situation there? You know, let's say let's just say they take off Northern Illinois, but this is a year where you only have the four games, right? That means you only have six home games for the whole season because you're at Southern Miss and then you would have five SEC games on the road. Now, if it's the other way around and this is a 2025 is a five home game year for you, you have seven and five, and that's a little more workable. So that might be something that they look at, like what years are we going to have what games? I don't know. I would hate to see the Southern Miss game get canceled. And at this point, you know, I, I think you, 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 if nothing else, you owe them the trip back to to, uh, to Hattiesburg. They've been to to see you twice. I hate to just pay them off and, and and call it a day. But at the same time, you know, state's going to make the decision that's best for them. And I don't know how these contracts work. Uh, I saw today that they tweeted Hunter Yurichek, who's the Arkansas uh, athletic director, has it worked into all of his contracts that if the SEC puts another conference game on the schedule, there's an automatic release clause that's triggered. If that's so, that's smart lawyering by the Arkansas guys up there. It doesn't appear the SEC is going to make a decision uh, anytime soon. It appears like they're just going to push, kick the can a little further down the road, play an eight-game schedule for 2024, see how it goes. I wish they would just go ahead and make a decision. I don't buy into the idea that there's not enough information. That it, Guys, just make a decision. If the games are good, you're going to get a, a boatload of money from ESPN. It's going to be plenty. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I would just go ahead and do it. I would have done it already. You know, at some point, you got to schedule the games, though. So we'll find out where that's going to go. Like I said, next week when we uh, have Zach Selman on Thunder and Lightning uh, at the Little Dewey, we will ask him his thoughts on this. We should have some resolution one way or the other on that. All right. When we come back, I was tagged in a tweet this morning, and I found it very interesting. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I mentioned these guys last week. This is a Mississippi band right here, Miss Bloom. Check them out. They're available uh, anywhere you get live music streaming. And check out their Instagram, at Miss Bloom, B-L-U-M-E, band. Give them a look. They'll be at uh, Howlin' Mal's on, oh, that's, that's coming gone. Never mind. It's, oh, I'm sorry. They released their debut album on a show at May, on May 13th at Howlin' Mal's. It's, it's available on all music streaming platforms. So early this morning, before I even woke up, 
People people do work before I wake up. I, I don't know how they do it. Uh, but Jim Nagy, who is the executive director of the Senior Bowl, that's a name, a guy we've had on the show many times. He's always at media days, and we always like to have him on and talk a little college football with us. Tagged me in a tweet, uh, along with a, a few other media members and a few people from Mississippi State as well. I want to point out you know, that I was one of the three media members, and really only two because Joel Coleman works for Mississippi State. So I think, I think Jim was trying to tell you guys who the top dogs are here uh, in the state of Mississippi. But this is the, this is the tweet. I'm going to read it to you in its entirety. It's, he's a Twitter blue guy, so I got I got some things to say here. It's a long tweet. Few four year starters enter their senior season with something to prove, but that's the case for Mississippi State record setting quarterback Will Rogers in his first season outside the air raid system. First thing that sticks out on Rogers Junior tape is how comfortable and proficient he was in Mike Leach's offense. Rogers football intelligence when it comes to pre snap ID, working through progressions, and knowing where to go with the ball is next level. He's been a master distributor past three years. You just don't see many college QBs scan and process like Will Rogers, who already owns the SEC record for career completions. Transitioning to new offensive coordinator Kevin Barbe's more up-tempo scheme and pro-style principles is an added challenge for Rogers as he enters his final season in Starville, but it will help NFL scouts with their evaluation on him. If Rogers gets a senior bowl invite, he'll be the second quarterback from Brandon, Mississippi, Brandon High School, in the past six years following Gardner Minshew, who also played for Rogers' dad at Brandon. So a lot of good stuff in there uh, about Will Rogers. It, it kind of goes back to some of the things I've been saying on this show and on the podcast about how nationally there's a different perception of Will Rogers than there is locally. And you know, for Rogers, it also talks about you know the idea of, of shedding that label of the system quarterback and how important this year and what he what he shows in a new system that's going to ask more and less of him at the same time. Less of him in that he doesn't have to throw the ball 60 times a game. He can rely more on his running game. But more of him in that he's going to have to make more intermediate to deep throws. He can't just throw it, check it down, check it down, and and take the short option as much as he did. He's going to have to find a way to, to get the ball down the field. Now, if you watch the spring game, he had some good deep throws in that. I know it's going to be different when the lights are on and when the SEC defenses are breathing down your neck, but Rodgers is a competitor and is a veteran. He's a guy, he's been there. He's had SEC defenses breathing down his neck for, you know, going on what? Uh, over 30 starts now. So I don't think he's going to be rattled. I don't think he's going to be nervous. He's just going to be have to go out there and do it. Will Rogers, the NFL prospect, is an interesting one, you know, especially after these, these last two years. When you, obviously, the first thing you would say is arm strength and mobility. Mobility is something Will Rogers just, just doesn't possess in spades. All right, he, he could, he's, he's benefited from a, a system that gets the ball out of his hand quickly. That's how he's avoided a lot of sacks. He avoided a lot his first two years as a starter because he had one of the top offensive linemen in the history of the of the Southeastern Conference over there blocking for on his backside uh, with with Charles Cross. Last year, though, I thought State's offensive line did a good job of keeping him upright for the most part. But, you know, you're never going to see Will Rogers making a lot of plays with his feet, and that, and that includes, you know, just staying alive in the pocket. When the when pressure gets to Will Rogers, it's tough for him to get away. That is a very totally fair assessment of Will Rogers. The good news is, he's as as Jim tells us in that tweet, he's usually scanning the field and processing fast enough that he gets the ball out before the pressure arrives. Arm strength was always, you know, if you go back and look and watch his first couple of years, for the most part, did not throw the ball much down the field. That is going to change this year. And so either he can do it or he can't, right? Either we're going to see him throw the ball down the field 40, 50 yards, or we're not. And and arm strength isn't all about Will Levis heaving the ball 65 yards and overthrowing his receiver by, by five yards. 
It's about being accurate from at 30 yards. It's about being accurate at 35, 40 yards, finding receivers in the scene, finding those go routes, getting air underneath the ball, and being accurate with it. I mean, would I rather have a quarterback who can just, you know, flick his wrist and throw it 65 yards, but I don't know really where it's going, or do I have a guy who's, you know, throwing it 45, 50 yards, but the ball lands in his receiver's hands? That's, that's what I want to know. And so, can Will Rogers do that? If he can, he's going to be successful. Mississippi State is going to be successful. And Zach Arnett's going to be successful. And that's three things that are good for Mississippi State. If he can't, well, then I won't lie to you. Mississippi State's in a lot of trouble if Will Rogers can't be successful because Mike Wright, I don't think, is is going to come in and be the quarterback who can throw the ball like that either. And I don't think Chris Parson, the true freshman, is ready for that role yet. So, again, they're putting a lot on Will Rogers, but at the same time they're helping him out because he's got a, he's going to have a solid running game to lean on. He's going to have, you know, they're going to put his receivers in better position to make plays. Tulu Griffin and Xavier Thomas are going to be put in positions where they can take short passes and make long gains out of them instead of just trying to run them down the field and where it's tough for them to win matchups because, by and large, they weren't bigger than the cornerbacks they were matched up with. Josh, is it foolish to think State will still throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game? Foolish isn't the right word, Josh, but they are going to they're going to throw it less. I would say I would think, you know, probably between 30 35 times per game uh sounds about right to me. Looking at App State from a season ago, uh they averaged right at uh where is it? 30 attempts a game. And 30 and 40 rushes a game. So in 70 plays, they were 58, almost like 60-40 run to pass is how I would look at it. Jason says, I think it'll take a while to adjust, but I absolutely see in this change being better, not just for Rodgers, but the offense as a whole. The air raid was too predictable in the SEC. I think it's a better, it's a good change for Mississippi State because it's just easier to recruit quarterbacks who can run this style of offense in state's recruiting footprint. Look at the, the, the quarterback state recruited. Now, Parsons is, is, is the outlier, but Sawyer Robertson and Daniel Greek and Braden Locke were all from Texas, and Mike Leach's Texas ties played a huge role there. A lot of schools out there in Texas still run that Mike Leach air raid. He is still very much revered out there, especially where Sawyer Robertson was from. He's from Lubbock. So with that gone, you got to make a, a, an adjustment. And so it'll be easier to find the, the guys who can run. Because this is more of a Dan Mullen style of offense. You can find quarterbacks in Mississippi, in Alabama, in Louisiana, in Tennessee that want to run that style of offense, for sure. Dwayne and Brandon was throw, not throwing the long ball because of Mike's play calls. If you want, look at the air raid, for the most part, it's not a lot of deep passes. They, they want to you know create the mismatches and, and create the short pass. They use the short pass as the running game. Now, State had some some long pass plays last year. They found some guys open down the field for sure, but it, it's not going to be. It wasn't as consistent. It wasn't as every game as it's going to be now. Now State's going to take a couple shots, maybe three, four shots deep every game, and try to you know if you get one of them, you get one big play. It's great. So there you go. Josh asks, is instead of 80-20, it'll be 70-30. It's going to be closer to 60-40, but it's going to be the other way around. It's going to be running the football. State's going to run the ball a good bit this year. Again, when you take a look at App State's uh, stats from a season ago, they had five different guys. Now, one of them was the quarterback, Chase Bryce, and he didn't have a lot of yards. He did have four touchdowns. But they had four, five guys with 70 or more carries a season ago. 
Whereas if you look at Mississippi State stats from a season ago, well, first off, as you can probably guess, not, not the same. It was more about receptions last year uh, for Mississippi State. When you look at their overall receivings, uh, receivers last year, State had, what, uh, seven guys with more than 30 catches. And obviously catches are, I'm sorry, you've got the running backs, they had nine. Nine guys with more than 30 catches. Only two guys over over uh, 80, over 50 carries. And that was Marks and Johnson who got basically all of the carries. Simeon Price only had 30 on the year. That's going to flip this year. You're going to see more carries and less catches. I would tell you right now that State will probably only have maybe three guys, maybe four, that have more than 30 catches this upcoming season. One of those will probably be Marks. So we're talking about receivers. You know, I think, you know, 30 catches for Tulu for sure, for Xavion, maybe Justin Robinson. Maybe if you get a fifth guy in there, it's a tight end. It's Ryland Goaty or, or, or Jaquarius Spivey, one of the two of them, whoever takes that starting job. So we'll see. Greg, Greg and Jackson, App State took what the defense was giving. Yeah, there, if you go back and watch App State, there were some games where they threw the ball a lot and some games where they ran the ball a lot, but they were more of a running team. Josh Moore, I think running the football more than passing will be a really bad idea. Well, I disagree. I mean, that's that's what most offenses in, 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 the, in the country do. You know, the, the Mike Leach air raid system was unique to Mike Leach. Nobody else runs air raid like that. Everybody else who runs air raid, they run the ball plenty. You got to have to run the football. That's what this team's going to be better built to do. Jason says those deep passes last year weren't nearly as open because there'll be a legi- as they'll be after a legitimate play fake. Exactly. Nobody respected the play action in the in the array. They will respect it now. Yeah, state's de- state's definitely going to be more of a run first team, and that's just that's just how it's going to be. And I think, like I said, I think it's the right move. I think it's the right move for what they've got. All right, we'll wrap it up when we come back. One more segment with you here on Thunder and Lightning, Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. Go around here, Thunder and Lightning. You're on Super Talk Mississippi. If you ever miss this show or any Thunder and Lightning podcast, well, it's just it's just easy to find anywhere you get podcasts. There they are, and of course, they're also at supertalk.fm. Thunder and Lightning, five days a week. Uh, plus, we put out a lot of other great content there. Uh, we have this show, and then of course, if you're just in the podcast kind of mood, Super Talk has you covered with every team here in the state, every major team here in the state. The Rebel Report, the Eagle Hour. We have the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. I mean, what more do you want? By the way, it doesn't cost you nothing. We, we, we take care of you in these trying times. So if you haven't already, bookmark supertalk.fm. It's got all the news, uh, opinions, and sports, everything happening in our great state. So Josh and Laurel's text made me look. Top five offenses in the conference last year. Uh, let, me, let me pull the... Uh, SEC sport. The top five by total total offense last year. 
Georgia, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, Alabama, Arkansas. This is number six, if you want it for reference. All of them, every single one of them, ran the ball more than they threw the ball last year. Every single one of them. Uh, looking at it, Georgia, or here's Ole Miss. Ole Miss threw it 30 times a game, ran it 47 times a game. Georgia threw it 33 times a game, ran it 37 times a game. Uh, Alabama threw it 34 times a game, ran it 35 times a game. So very balanced. LSU, 34 passes, 37 runs. Tennessee, you would think Tennessee, right? They're probably throwing the ball all over the field. Yeah, 33 passes, 40 runs per game. Running the football is the key to success. You have to be able to run the football successfully. Without looking, and I haven't looked, but without looking, the next two were Alabama and Florida. I would almost be willing to guarantee anything. I know it's not Alabama, Arkansas. I'll guarantee Arkansas ran the ball more than they threw it last year. Florida, probably close, but probably the running game. And then number eight was Mississippi State, and that's going to be where the outlier. And that's also the second, that's also first of the bottom half there. Got to have more balance on this offense. Got to be able to run the football. Last year, if you look at State's offense, what games were they most successful in? Arkansas, Texas A&M, and uh, and Arizona. Those are the games they ran the football. What games were they not super successful in? Kentucky, uh, LSU, Alabama, Georgia. Guess what? Didn't run the football in those games. Now, Running the football on Georgia and Alabama is a little different animal than running it on Kentucky and uh, and LSU. But the, the fact of the matter is, when State did not run the football, they were not as effective. You go back and watch the Egg Bowl. The rain coming is may, may be what won Mississippi State that game because it made Leach have to run the football more. I think he was content in the first half to let Rodgers go out there and sling the ball around. Rodgers was not having his best game in that one. But in the second half, when it started pouring down rain, they started giving the ball to Marks and Johnson, and all of a sudden State was able to find the points and win the game. Got to be better running the football this year if you're Mississippi State. Because, you know, with Rodgers, I like Rodgers, and I think he's good, and I think he has a shot to be a pro quarterback. But Rodgers is not a guy that I can just say, go out there and win the game. Go throw it 40, 50 times and just, just win the game for us. He's got to have that help from his run game. To get the defense out of those eight man front, out of those eight uh, man secondaries, to put them in some man coverage to let him find mismatches. Once he finds mismatches, he's great, and he can find them. But if you just tell a team that he's going to throw the ball 55, 60 times a game, and they can just drop eight the whole time, they don't have to worry about him running the ball. They don't have to worry about Mississippi State running the ball. That's when State struggled. I mean, look at the Kentucky game. They scored 17 points, and seven of that was on a pick six. You know, they struggled offensively in the Auburn game. They scored 33 points, but don't forget there was a, uh, a touchdown in there uh, from a kickoff and an interception that put Staten in, in deep in Auburn territory. They struggled in that game because they, they just wouldn't run the ball. They've got to be more balanced this year. They will. They will be more balanced this year. There's no there's no debate about it. Kevin Barbe, that offense, they're going to run the football, no question, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. State's biggest problem the last few years has not been running it consistently even when it was there. I agree with you 100%, Jason. Dwayne and Brandon, sorry if I missed it, your opinion of State's running game so far. Well, I don't really have much of it so far. I haven't seen any games yet, Dwayne. We gotta, let's, let's get a couple games down us. But I like Marks, and I like Price, and I'm very interested in this transfer, Kevon Lee, 
uh, from uh, from Penn State. Led the Nittany Lions in rushing a couple seasons ago. We'll see if he can be that Dylan Johnson type. That no no pun intended, but that thunder to be to uh, to Mark's lightning uh, in in the MSU backfield. And then Mike Wright's going to add a, a dimension to the running game. Don't forget that he will add a, a key dimension for Mississippi State, uh, giving them some mobility at the quarterback position on certain play back, plays and packages. We just did a whole show about college football, by the way, on May thirty first. Don't tell me it can't be done. I could have gone another two hours. No questions asked. All right, guys. Have a great rest of your week. Of course, I'll be back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi tomorrow with Michael Borky. Richard's off. He's covering the Tuscaloosa Regional. Uh, so he'll enjoy, he'll enjoy that coverage. But we'll have me and Borky Thursday and Friday. Talk to you guys tomorrow. For Rhino, I'm out. It's Thunder and Lightning Live on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.